Hello and welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob. I'm here with... Allison Yanez. And Allison, who do we have in the studio with us today? We are joined this morning by Erica Castro, the immigrant rights um, organizer from Plan of Nevada. That's Progressive Leadership Alliance of Nevada. Welcome, Erica. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great being here with y'all. Excellent. Well, we are very happy to have you. So, um, Erica, I think it would be really helpful because obviously we've talked to you, but if you want to talk a little bit about how you became an organizer, like what mm-hmm. what got you to this place, um, and particularly working with, with PLAN, who you're working with now. Yeah, so I work with the Progressive Leadership Alliance in Nevada. Um, we have a PLAN and PLAN Action. Um, and I actually started volunteering with PLAN in 2012, a little bit before 2012, at the end of 2011. Um, and the reason I started volunteering was because I am a documented. At the time, there was no DACA, there was no protection for immigrant youth like myself. Um, and I had graduated high school in 2007. I was just really frustrated, didn't know what to do, didn't know where to turn for help. Um, and one of my high school friends, he was actually volunteering with Plan at the time, um, Jose Macias, for, he's very well known in the community as well. And he invited me to events all the time. And I never showed up because I was just nervous. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what it meant to like be out there and be vocal about my situation. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it just got to the point where I was just really frustrated with everything that was happening. And I just, I needed solutions. So Mm -hmm. I ended up showing up um, to an event that was happening at the Culinary Union. It was put on by um, immigrant youth from across the country. There was about 80, 90 immigrant youth. um, And I remember walking in and just seeing so many young folks talking about their status, talking about their vision for the future for themselves and for the country. And I was really taken aback just to see how open they were about this. Like they had no care in the world about their status. Obviously there was that fear and that uncertainty, but they were determined to create some change for themselves and their families. So that kind of gave me a little bit of hope um, and took a little bit of that fear away. But obviously I was still really scared because Throughout my whole entire life, my parents were always like, you don't talk about this. You don't tell people about this. I never told anybody in school. Only like a very small amount of friends knew, but we never really talked about it. Um, So being in that room just made me want to continue to come back. And I remember we broke out into groups and everybody sat in a table based on the state they were from. Um, And the Nevada table probably had like eight, nine of us. Um, I didn't know anybody there besides Jose, but he introduced me to everyone. Everybody was really, really welcoming. Um, It turned out that all of them were volunteering with PLAN at the time, so started showing up more. Um, And then when DACA was announced... um, about a year later after that, it just really gave me like that protection that I needed to be more vocal Mm -hmm. and also realizing that now I had this privilege to go to school, to go to have a job, even though I was able to, you know, go to school before that, just because I was so afraid of talking about it, I didn't really take that opportunity. But DACA really took all that fear away. And then I realized like, I don't know how long I'm going to have this Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to use it for everything that I can and also to advocate for people like my parents because I've seen my parents work endlessly to make ends meet and I just want them 
wanted them to have that same peace of mind that I had. I, you know, I was able to get my driver's license, so I wasn't afraid to drive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're undocumented, every time that you get behind the car, if you do drive, um, you are looking over your shoulders. You're like the most careful that you can be because you don't want to get in trouble. Um, and just having that driver's license, it just, it was a huge relief for myself. Um, and I just wanted that for my parents. I wanted them to be able to have that relief. So I continued to come by. I continued to be more vocal about my, my status and my parents' status. Um, and then eventually I, after volunteering for about two years with plan and plan action, um, I was able to get a job and I started working as a mining justice organizer, which was something that I didn't really know anything about, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was something that I knew was important um, just because I am very outdoorsy and I love the outdoors mm-hmm. and just being in nature. Um, so I kind of like dug deep into that issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended. And then... <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Stealing that. <laughs> and yeah, I learned a ton. And I think from there, it was um, the, the election in 2016 that just knowing that this administration wasn't going to be kind at all to my mm-hmm. community um and i was like it can't i love environmental justice and it still has a big part of my heart and i still try to do work around it whenever i can but because immigration is something that directly impacts me and my family i couldn't sit by and just kind of let other people you know decide what was going to be happening with that mm-hmm. um i wanted to make sure that my voice was at the table um so that i could represent other people that were undocumented especially because we started realizing that a lot lot of people kind of started retrieving back into the shadows mm-hmm. after the election yeah. and I just I couldn't do that I couldn't just sit idly by and watch that happen mm-hmm. yeah well and just to share a little bit so actually I mean I've been aware of your existence and your work in the community for many years now but I uh I reached out to you and really got interested in plans activities because I went to the uh what is it the Latino environmental week what is that oh Latino conservation week yes correct so uh, a couple of years ago you guys hosted one of those events the Nevada Justice League and all kinds of other nonprofits were present but it was the first time that someone had and I've, I've always been concerned about environmental issues and everything but it was really the first time that I had that I really realized that these issues are particularly relevant to brown and black communities in mm-hmm. this country because environmental issues disproportionately affect those communities so this was the first time that it was was like made um to for for it to seem relevant to my community mm-hmm. and I liked how you guys um went about it like about em- empowering the community mm-hmm. to advocate um for themselves because yes organizations are here yeah. to lobby on behalf of you etc cetera, etc cetera, but there's nothing like giving the community the tools they need to actually speak up for themselves mm-hmm. can you talk uh, a little bit about that like how uh, what kind of tools plan gives both employees and volunteers um because I think like, you guys give them a lot of, there's a lot of trainings, correct? Can you yeah. give us an idea about some of that? Yeah, so the Latino Conservation Week has been happening for three years now. Oh, cool. um, Jocelyn Torres from the um, Conservation Land Land Conservation Fund, um, she started it three years ago. And it's really, like you said, to bring in more awareness to people of color and environmental issues. So through PLAN, um, we partnered up with the University of Nevada, Reno, 
to do a report on, on environmental justice. Um, and we really focus on black communities, on Latino communities, um, indigenous communities in the north, and just working families, because we wanted to listen to them and what they are seeing in their communities that has to do with environmental degradation. So that um, event that you went to, we were presenting that and just talking mm -hmm. about how this is a really important issue for the um, black and brown communities, but a lot of the times it's overlooked. Um, and they are the ones that are living closer to um, mines, living closer to freeways, causing folks to get asthma. Uh, black and brown children um, miss a lot of school because they have higher rates of asthma. Um, mm -hmm. So we really want to highlight all of those issues. You know, we've heard with Standing Rock the struggles that they've been facing um, because of mining and water, right. um, and and that's nothing new. That's been happening for many many generations, and we're seeing that here in, in Nevada as well. Nevada is the uh, one of the largest producers of gold in the world, and we're also a tax haven to mining companies. So. We want to make sure that our volunteers, that our leaders understand these different issues that are impacting them, like immigration, like mass incarceration, like payday lending. But we also want them to learn about the intersectionality with other issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, some right. of the green um, organizations forget um, or don't know how to reach people of color when it comes to these kind of issues. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to change that by teaching folks like these are issues that are also impacting us because of our water, because of our health, because of our air, the land that we live on. Um, so when people come to our office, obviously, we want to talk to them about the issues that are directly impacting them, mm -hmm. um, but then also bring in the intersectionality with all of the different issues um, and how those also impact our lives and what we can do to um, address them. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, that is really awesome. So, um, present day, you are now involved in immigration issues exclusively, correct? Yes. Can you uh, give us an idea of what your day-to-day -day looks like and what your, mm -hmm. what your work entails? Well, my day-to-day, -day, um, it can be hectic. I mean, with this administration, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's always different. It's really hard to plan out, you know, sometimes certain things because this administration is always throwing at us different things that are attacking the American community. Um, but I think at the end of the day, our main focus is to provide resources for undocumented folks, um, whether it's families, whether it's students, whether it's single parents, that they know that as undocumented people, we do have rights under the Constitution. Um, we want to make sure that if, you know, somebody is detained, has any kind of contact with immigration, that they know what those rights are, um, that they know that they should be um, getting screened by an attorney, by a lawyer, um, having prior to getting detained in case there's any way of them to adjust their status. Um, we also work closely with some of the direct service providers so that if people come to us, we can refer them out either to the UNLV Law Clinic, Catholic Charities, uh, the Legal Aid Center, um, because they provide uh, free services or sometimes on a sliding scale. Um, so I think the priority is making sure that people are protected, um, that we're defending undocumented folks, immigrants, refugees, and then also uplifting the human 
humanity. Um, I think a lot of the times we talk about numbers, we talk about, you know, we just talk about the caravan, how it's coming, but we're not talking about the people that are in these situations and like their personal lives because, you know, we're 11 million people that are undocumented, but we all have very, very different stories and we should be uplifting all of them. Um, I think for me, like that's the biggest thing. We don't want to push away people because they think they're not the exceptional dreamer mm-hmm. um, or the perfect immigrant or whatever that looks like. Like, no, everybody is a human and we are welcoming to all of them and helping them find the tools to find that empowerment within themselves, mm-hmm. to advocate for themselves, for their community, um, whether that is um, through lobbying, through showing up at a press conference or a rally or testifying uh grant story building like whatever that looks like mm-hmm. um as long as we're able to empower them in a small or big way i think that's really important and that's what i focus on mm-hmm. um in my day-to-day work mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really interested um in just the concept of organizing and so you know i'm interested to hear kind of like what have been some of the challenges for you as an organizer um, but then also maybe some, you know, if you have a couple stories of some really cool successes that you've mm-hmm. had. I think the challenge sometimes can be um, that we work with directly impacted people. Mm-hmm. So we really have to be conscious about, um, you know, the single mother that is undocumented and is still scared to come out to events um, or might not have childcare to leave her kids. So we try to be very flexible and make things kid friendly so that people can bring their kids. Um Sometimes people are, you know, trying to make ends meet and they don't have time or they don't have the money to make to make it to an event because, you know, the gas that they have, that's all that they have for their week. So we try to be accommodating and making sure that we're having events in um, in the in the places where the community goes and mm-hmm. trying to go to them in, in, instead of expecting them to just come to us, mm-hmm. um, just making it more accessible. Um, and then the, I think the other challenge for me is also being directly impacted. Um, right. When I have to stay on top of every single thing that's coming down from this administration, whether it's an immigration or environment or mass incarceration, like whatever it is, those are issues that are very important to me. So sometimes that gets very heavy emotionally um, and it can be very exhausting. So that's why as an organizer, it's really important to figure out like what are your self-care methods? And that doesn't necessarily mean like going to get my nails done or to the spa Mm -hmm. even though sometimes that's nice but sometimes it's like just being in my room and just kind of decompressing and staying off of social media reading a book doing my homework whatever it is to kind of just take that moment away from everything and um taking care of myself because then it makes it a little bit easier for me to be able to show up for my community um and I think the biggest successes um I go back to my mining justice organizing. Um, it was my very first event as an organizer. Um, you know, in Nevada, in Las Vegas, we don't really hear about mining. We don't really hear right. about water issues. Um, I mean, we hear about water issues because of the uh, pipeline that they're trying to build, but a lot of people don't really know about those things. Mm-hmm. So I remember spending about two months setting up a mining event, um, and it was really just going to be educational, um, some of the things that are happening around mining in northern Nevada, um, and I was really, really nervous. Um, I thought I was going to have maybe two people show up, mm-hmm. um, but no, actually, it was really successful. There was about 25 people, 30 people that ended okay. up showing up. A lot of them had never heard anything about mining. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was two speakers that I had. Um, it was a woman from 
from um, northern Nevada. She lives in one of the um, indigenous tribes up there. And then a youth, um, she, I've been working with her for... I want to say almost four years now. Wow. Um, wow. She was a high school student at the time, really invested in like environmental justice. And she spoke on like why this was so important to her. Um, and I think for me, that's probably when, been one of like the most um, rewarding experiences as an organizer mm-hmm. because it was something that I personally didn't think I was passionate about until I started learning so much about it. Mm-hmm. And then hearing how these people two women from completely different places in Nevada were impacted and what they were trying to do in their communities to stay other, to get others um, motivated to learn more about um, mining and just environmental justice in general was really, really um, just powerful for me myself as an organizer. Wow. That's great. Um, I I wanted to go back uh, a little bit to what you're talking about Mm self-care. So um, Jacob and myself as nonprofit professionals, we often talk about uh, self-care in our profession. Um, Our status in this country is not um, in limbo. Mm -hmm. Um, I think your situation is particularly unique and it's not something that we come across that often. You are a DACA recipient. You are undocumented for the majority of your life in this country. What is it like to know that for your life to be in the balance in that way? Like, how do you set that aside and still show up for work? How do you keep on continuing to serve the community knowing that your situation is so vulnerable? How do you stay grounded and not go insane? It's really hard. Um, I think sometimes the biggest thing, it's knowing that I have a community, Um, that supports me and that's going to stand beside me through everything that happens with this administration or just in general. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I think at Plan, um, we're not just a nonprofit. I feel like we really are a family. We spend so Mm -hmm. much time together. Um, We help each other out all the time. Um, That it's, it's a way of like, even when I'm not home with my family, if I'm at work, I'm still with my family and I can turn to them when I have those moments of like just despair. Um, and that's really, really helpful because it, it helps me keep grounded in the work that I'm doing. And then I think also just I try to think about how I felt when in, in 2010 and 2011 when there was no DACA and I was still scared to come forward and talk about my story and talk about being undocumented. Um, and I know that there's so many people that are still feeling that way, especially after the uh, decision to end DACA. I think there was so many youth that came. We had an event at the East Las Vegas Community Center, and we put that together probably in like 48 hours. Um, and it was with um, a whole bunch of community partners, and there was about 500 people that came to the event. A little bit over 100 of them actually ha- had the chance to sit down and have one-on-one conversations with um, attorneys that were there. Cool. And yeah. it was just really amazing to see them like come out and say, like, what do I do? How do I protect myself? You know, what's happening? And like giving them those answers and giving them those resources and just being able to sit down with an attorney and like saying like, maybe you do have another form of relief or maybe you don't, but this is what you can do to protect yourself. Um, that to me keeps me going because I needed that when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. And now when I'm 
close to being 30, like I want to be able to do that for other people that are still scared. And I, I think it also goes back to, to my parents, you know, my parents are undocumented and, um, yes, I'm always scared, but my parents gave up so much to bring me here and they've survived, you know, 25 plus years in this country, in this situation. And they never, um, they never look back in the sense as in the sense of like regret obviously you know they look back and miss their families and whatnot but they never look back because they know that me and my brother are so much better here and i think if my parents were able to leave everything behind um to give me this opportunity to be doing the work that i'm doing now to be able to go to school to be educated and fluent in both english and spanish and just like that's like a dream come true for, for my parents. And, and I just, I can't think of like giving up when they haven't given up in so long. Mm -hmm. I know um, the East Las Vegas community uh, center event that you're talking about. I was present, mm -hmm. um, cause I was still working in that sector at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being grounded, um, being so impacted by all of these dreamers that were present. And we were, you know, it was, Instagram's been around for a while and people were live streaming the event mm -hmm. and one of the attorneys did stand up and say you know could you lower your phones we have a lot of people that are feeling vulnerable um tonight but a lot of people stood up and they're like you know I'm such and such I'm undocumented and this is my story and I remember being so moved by these people that were just so willing they were literally putting their lives at risk you know they're putting everything on the line but they believe in this they believe mm -hmm. in what um you know they believe in the cause and they want to put a uh their face a name to the face right mm -hmm. and they're willing to stand up and fight for this and i just remember just being driven almost to tears it was a, it was a really powerful event yeah 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 i think for me it was also just seeing a room full of undocumented youth and their families and their friends and even community members that weren't undocumented but they were there to show their support mm -hmm. they were there to say you're not alone and to me, that's always so powerful, especially, like I said, when I think about the people that are still scared and they're still feeling alone, um, that's always helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, Eric, I know this episode will obviously come out after the election, but um, if people want to get involved with, with your work, with the work of PLAN, how, how can they do that? So they can check out either our website planevada.org they can check out also the plan action website which is planaction.org um they can follow us on facebook twitter instagram we're also on snapchat <laughs> so oh, just cool. wherever you can dm us you can message us on facebook um but yeah i mean there's always tons of things that you can do um i work on immigration but um we also have a mass mass liberation campaign which focuses around mass incarceration um they actually did a free the vote um these last couple weeks so um my co-organizer, Leslie Turner, she made sure that some of the folks that are incarcerated were able to um, request absentee ballots. Mm -hmm. And oh, she cool. got 71 um, folks that are sitting in jail. They haven't lost their vote to right. Mm -hmm. I mean, their vote to um, the right to vote. But because they don't have money to pay for their bond, they're sitting there pre-trial, so they're still eligible to oh, vote. Okay. Um, so she was able to get 71 um, people to cast their ballots. Wow. So there's always, you know, 
different things that we're trying. There's always different ways in which we're trying to reach community members, get them civically engaged. Um, you know, we talked about environmental justice. Uh, my co-organizer, Kim Estrada, she's the one that leads our environmental justice work here now. Um, so there's always a ton of things. And I think one of the things that I love about PLAN is that um, we always encourage our leaders to bring forth ideas, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't, as organizers, we don't have all the ideas. We don't always right. know everything, especially under the climate now, like before we were able to put a little bit more pressure and people would listen, but under this administration, it's a little bit harder. So we're always welcoming like new ideas, new things that, you know, maybe we haven't thought about, maybe because I'm not part of that community or I haven't, you know, had to deal with those specific things. And, and somebody might come and say like, you know what, this is, this is a great way for you to reach out to X community. And then, you know, that's something that we can do. So if, you know, if you want to join the movement, there's tons of organizations, obviously plan it's close to my heart. So yeah, just follow us on any of the social media platforms. But that that's a good point because, um, I know that I'm aware of a lot of white allies, right? That, you know, they've reached out to me and they want to get involved, but they're like, I'm not part of this community or I don't really know what the, like, I, how do I speak to these communities? I mm-hmm. want to help in a way. What kind of tools do you give volunteers to prep them for working mm-hmm. with these communities? Well, it just depends on like what they're doing. I mean, like right now, um, through our Win Justice Pack, which is a coalition of different um, organizations here in, in town, um, we are talking to low propensity voters. Uh, we're talking to a lot of Latinos, a lot of black folks, um, working families, women, youth, people that don't normally show up to the polls. And sometimes having those conversations can be hard. Um, but we always try to be culturally sensitive, obviously. So when volunteers come and they say, you know, I don't speak Spanish, I can't go to this specific community, stuff like that, then we figure out other ways to help them figure out how they can reach out to the community. Maybe it's making phone calls um, to folks that, you know, we can't reach at the doors. Um, and it, it just really depends on the task. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, like I said, there's always so many different things that you can help Um get the word out on like whatever it is that we're working on and what are you guys working on currently after the election what 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 are you guys going to be involved in so after the election um i so through the immigrant rights work that i do i am leading the um nevada immigrant coalition um which is about 40 partners that are um part of the coalition um about half of them are very very active and they are students faith leaders um direct service providers organizations like plan um is that just las vegas based or is this the entire state of nevada the entire state of nevada Uh Mm -hmm. and um so we'll be focusing a lot on the legislative session so regardless of how the election turns out um we know that there are specific bills um that we want to make sure that um we pass this legislative session to improve the quality of life of all nevadans you know whether it's around health care education raising the minimum wage 
um, anything that really will improve and even defend the lives of people in Nevada, mm-hmm. um, we're going to make sure that we're on top of that and working, obviously, with um, our other partners. PLAN is a member-based uh, organization, so we are we have member groups um, like Planned Parenthood, um, and we also have member groups in um, northern Nevada. So we all kind of meet um, at the end of or at the uh, before the end of the year to discuss what some of those priorities will be. And we really encourage people that you know if you've never been to Carson City to testify or to lobby. Like we do lobby days and we go up to Carson City. We train you um, on the issues. We train you on how to lobby. That sounds super spooky. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Have you done that? I have done that actually. Uh-huh. I did it as a volunteer and it was a little scary. You know, you think about going to the uh, to the legislative session and talking to all these politicians and stuff. Yeah. But I think what's really important is that they have all these lobbyists that are paid so much money to come right. into their offices and like advocate for these issues. Why not have everyday Nevadans that are actually dealing with these issues talk to them? So that's what we're trying to do to make it less spooky, make it less intense where it just seems stuffy and like something that we're not supposed to do, mm-hmm. but something that's actually accessible um, to people that don't have the money to, you know, go to Carson mm-hmm. City. And then we also have the Grant Sawyer building here where we do um, also go and testify. That's not that, um, it's not that far. It's not a couple day trip. Um, but we're also making sure that people that are directly impacted by these issues are going to the Grant Sawyer building and testifying to make sure that we're passing those different legislations. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. Well, yeah. something that I, um, I've i picked up on, and surely our listeners who are very smart people have picked on too, is <laughs> um, you're, you're talking about the intersectionality, right? All mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. issues um, concern people of color, particularly in this case Latino voters, and just not... Um, Latino voters are they're not single what do you call it single voter single issue, single issue mm. voters it's not yeah. just immigration healthcare yeah. is a big thing environmental issues is a is a big thing so I, I appreciate how plan is how um, they're able to you know, yeah. show how all of this is related one to another yeah, yeah. no definitely um, so our win justice pack started a couple months ago and um, we've been talking to voters since the beginning of the year and some of the big things that people have said are very important to them are education, um, healthcare, and immigration. And I think that, again, that shows how people aren't voting on just one specific issue. Latinos don't just care about immigration. They're impacted by so many different things. Um, so when we're talking to people at the doors, we're talking to them about all of these issues. Um, so far in this GOTV um, period, which has been about, I want to say a little bit over three weeks, mm-hmm. um, we've knocked on over 10,000 doors and oh. we've called more than 71,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And that's all through volunteers. Wow. There is a paid canvassing and phone bankers for that, but that's just volunteers. And that's people, you know, some people have never canvassed before. Some people have never phone banked before. But just seeing everything that's happening, they're like, I want to do more than vote. And like, we just appreciate that so much, especially for me, like knowing that I can't vote and that we're getting these volunteers to make all of these calls and all of these door knocks. It's so empowering because it's 
like they're not giving up and 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 you hear about all of these different atrocities and people are saying like no i'm i'm gonna stand up against it and i'm gonna do something about it and and it's showing Mm -hmm. for me it's really inspiring to hear these young people um especially people that cannot vote um you know you're empowering people to get out there and get involved in the community you're pushing for civic engagement it, it enrages me a bit you know it seems incredible <laughs> that it, but i i appreciate yeah. your passion so uh thank you for that thank you yeah um very inspiring thank you yeah yeah okay. and so this is a vegas based uh podcast i'd like to ask you a little bit about um when you're not out there um uh, pounding the pavement trying to get people to vote um you know what do you do for fun in vegas Um, I love to go hiking. Yeah, my favorite place actually is uh, Valley of Fire. I just love the colors. Um, It's just, I don't know, every time I go out there, it just feels perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The only thing I don't like about it is that the hikes are not long enough, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I think Valley of Fire hikes are not... Mm-hmm. they're all very short for yeah. the most part. I think mm. the longest one might be like 30 minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. There's yeah. one that I found at the end of the part, like if you're coming from Las Vegas, I do not remember the name. Uh-huh. And at most of it's along a dry riverbed. I I was on it for four hours and only encountered one other person. It oh, It was really? one of the best things, one of the best hikes I've ever done. I did it by myself. Oh. It was amazing. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd have to sounds... I have to find the name of it, but it was really it was like a really and I didn't yeah. even do it all, and that's the oh, only wow. one that I was had found that was mm-hmm. longer than like thirty minutes or an hour. Mm. Yeah, mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah, the ones that I've done, the longest one I think was like 30, 40 minutes, but I love it out there. It's so nice, and then I feel like um, it's un- like people don't really know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get the chance, definitely check it out. And how about in the city? Restaurants, bars, coffee shops? Um, So before my organizing career, (laughs) (laughs) I actually used to be a cook. So I worked in different uh, casinos on the strip and I really got into food and just trying (laughs) all of the foods all of the time. Nice. (laughs) So whenever I'm not working, I do like to figure out like local little um, hole in the walls or just Mm -hmm. try like new little places. Mm Um. Anywhere that has waffles, that has okay. really good waffles, okay. I like to go. Yeah. Where, so, where are some waffle waffle places? Yeah. I'm not, like, other than, you know, your standard, like, Ew, breakfast places. what are you going to mention? Don't mention a chain. <laughs> I wasn't, no, okay. No, okay. no, 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 no. I was just saying, okay. like, like... Like if I'm if I'm missing out on a place that has really amazing waffles, I'd really like to know. Yeah, like I mean, I I like breakfast foods, but I don't. You know, maybe there's somewhere yeah. I haven't been. So. Tell us, tell us. So, yeah. um, my go tos are normally Public Us. Okay, um, yeah. I love all the berries and everything, mm-hmm. um, and then also Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. Oh, oh I haven't been there. Yeah, yet. Okay. we've uh-huh. talked about it. It's a southern yeah. southern food, yes. right? Uh huh. Where yes. is it located? Um, I want to say Rainbow off the ninety five. Yeah, it's like uh-huh. rainbow, rainbow lake, lake meat. I think. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. You get chicken and waffles there. Or? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, that's like my favorite thing. Chicken and waffles, <laughs> go to. Yeah, and then if you go on, if you go on the weekend, or I mean, I guess in the weekday, if you don't have anything to do and have a cocktail. Their cocktails are also really, really good. They really? have cocktails? Yeah, they have cocktails. Oh, I... Had no, I would not think that. Had no yeah. idea. I yeah. really thought it was just a rest, like, just food. Okay, no? good to know. Like, yeah. what do they serve? Excellent. Um, well, it's all Southern food. I've been there for 
brunch. Uh-huh. So I had chicken and waffles. And then I've also been there for uh, dinner. And they have like mac and cheese, uh, braised greens, fried chicken, hmm. just all the fixings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you into barbecue? I am. Do you Have you been to Rolling Smoke? I have. Okay. I have. Yeah, because the mac and cheese reminded me of they yeah. have oh. good cheese. mac and cheese at Rolling Smoke. They yeah. do. Oh. I haven't been there in a while. I kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should go. I should we check should it out go. again. Yeah. 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 I also learned since we're on the barbecue conversation. So the new, one of the I think he's the new executive chef at Border Grill used to run a barbecue food truck. Mike Miner. Mm. So, mm-hmm. and I had some of the barbecue at work this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Best burnt ends I've ever had in my entire life. I'm, re- I'm ready to say that. And I lived in really? the South. Best burnt ends I've ever had. Mm. They were, it was a burnt end burrito mm-hmm. and it was so I delicious. Just... Yeah, so delicious. Oh, you know yeah. where he, that, you know why I was, he um, worked for a while at Chica at the Venetian. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just reading something about him. Um, yeah, but Border but Grill yeah. is now, has now put barbecue on their menu, both barbecue beef and barbecue chicken. That's where, yeah, which is the new. Vegas Weekly. Just yeah, feature, yeah, and it uh-huh. is, as a barbecue fan, it's some good stuff. Yeah. So, and how yeah. about, and so you're Mexican, where do you get your Mexican <laughs> food on? Um, Don't my say mom. your mom. Yeah. Oh, now we're all gonna have to come to Erica's house. Yeah, um, but uh, we were actually just talking about it earlier. Los Antojos, which oh. is down the street on Sahara and Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my family used to go there as a kid. I remember all the time. That was like our go-to spot. Okay. Um, bambasos are life for me. I love, uh-huh. I love bambasos. We were actually at one of our meetings. Um, one of our icebreakers was, if you could have one food for the rest of your life, what would mm. it be? And I said bambasos. Like I could eat that forever. For our non-woke listeners, can you tell us what a bambaso is? Yes. So bambaso is um, the bread from the torta, which is kind of like a, a French bread. Uh-huh. Um, similar, I guess that's the Simpler version. Yep. Um, and then you make uh, papa and chorizo, which is potato and oh. chorizo. And um, you kind of just mash it all together, cook it all together. That's your filling. And then you dip the bread. Once it's stuffed with the potato and the chorizo, you dipped your bread in this red salsa made out of uh, chile guajillo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you lightly pan fry it. So it's nice and crispy on the outside, and it's all soaked in with the yeah. with the chile guajillo. Mm-hmm. Once it's slightly pan fried, yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never you, heard of this before, and my mouth is watering. You have to try it. <laughs> and then once it's done pan fried, um, you put some salsa verde, some sour cream, lettuce, and queso fresco, oh. and then you dig in. Sweet Lord Jesus. So yeah. come on over to Erica's house. Her mother will make us bombasos, apparently. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Erica's I'm mom. Just, <laughs> I'm imagining what this looks and tastes like right it's now. Tasty it's tasty stuff. Sounds yeah. like it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's so good. So we have one final question for you, Erica. What was the first CD that you purchased? Uh, first CD that I purchased was In Sync. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was... Uh, I was in eighth grade. No, I was in seventh grade. I was in seventh grade. And so I grew up, I'm the oldest granddaughter. Um, oh, okay. And I'm the oldest um, cousin that lives in the U.S. Okay. So I grew up listening to my parents' music. Mm-hmm. Never listened to anybody else. And I remember I started making friends and whatnot. And they were listening. I went to like this little party with my friends and 
they had this on replay at the party. Was like, that Bye Bye cool. Bye or which CD was? Yeah. It? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. It is. It is. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I went home and I asked my parents for money and I bought it. Excellent. That was the first CD. All right. Cool. Wonderful. Very teeny bopperish. Yeah. 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 We dig. We dig. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for coming on today. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, thank you definitely. very much. And as always, we were joined by our producer, Jose Sotelo. Also the Yay. writer and composer of our theme music. Yes. Don't forget that. It's a nice, <laughs> nice theme. Research assistance and fact-checking by Ashley Pacheco. Creative direction by Berta Gutierrez. And of course, the dog in our den of descent, Raven, who is suffering from pink eye at the moment. And my lovely mm. co-host, Jacob. Aw, mm. and my lovely co-host, Allison. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you again, Erica. It was a pleasure to have you on and we consider you a friend of the pod. Thank you. It was great being here. Thank you. Giddy up. Yeehaw.